just found doing it was much more me. Um, and I could take ownership of it a little bit more because I was kind of freelancing. It was it was mine rather than kind of being told, right, you're the guy that's emptying the truck this today. You're the guy who's doing this today. It was more like I owned it and it was mine. And it was like, right, that I can, I can kind of forge my own path. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Do I need school to be... I'm Alex, and I'm going to sit down and have great conversations with people because we're all diverse. We're all different. We all have different ways of learning. And I want to ask people how they learned to do the things they do. Yeah, sounds random. Sounds fun. I hope it does, because here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the pod. Welcome to a first for me. I have never had a colleague on the pod, and here we are with my guest, Ray Lowlord. Ray is actually a fan of the pod. I once announced somehow to somebody at work that I had a podcast and he started listening to it and he loved it. So he actually reached out to me and said, hey, I have a cool story. Can I share it on your show? We talked for five minutes and I was like, yes. I mean, fuck yes. Because he really has an amazing tale. It's a journey of changing. It's a journey of trying new things. It's, it's I, I, I love the journey. I am so happy to have Ray on the pod. Ray and I work together at the Customer Bureau, and you'll find links to that in the bio. We both really are fans of the place that we work, and it's a pleasure to meet so many amazing people like Ray and like all of our other colleagues. So shout out to everybody at work. I hope you are enjoying this episode. You better like it and share it. Just kidding. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to spoil too much. So here's my conversation with Ray Lowlord. And we're recording. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me on, Alex. Thank you for asking to be on the podcast. That's not normal. <laughs> and, you know, it's, um, I was worried when we first talked that it would be like an ego trip. You know, oh, I want to be on your podcast. But I love the subject matter of your podcast. And I was like, you know, I have an interesting story, I think. So that's that's chat. <laughs> oh, of course. I love it. I love like for everybody listening, Ray is a fan of the show. <laughs> yeah. And we are also colleagues at work. And he's a great Quidditch player. He beat my ass playing Quidditch. It was extremely <laughs> frustrating. And no, we're not in a Quidditch league. We just work in that kind of quirky place. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I know. Those memories of Quidditch will haunt me forever. <laughs> I'm afraid they're going to do it every year now. Yeah, and have a whole league table and like standings and like <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Oh, gosh. Time. Yeah, no, but it was good fun. It was good fun. But here we are on the pod now. Um, I'm very excited about this because Ray and I talked before about his story. And I think it's one of those tales in which you get, I, I think a lot of people feel like they get knocked on a different path in life for mm -hmm. a bad reason. They say like, oh, I had this chance and something happened. They knocked me into that path. I think in your case, it's the opposite. You get knocked into something good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and yeah, it's it's a great tale. I'm very excited to have you on the show. So let's begin. Ray. Yes. Who are you and what are you currently working on? Okay. So my name is Ray Lawler and I am head of engineering at a company called Engineered, which is the software engineering venture within a company called the Customer Bureau. So uh, Alex and I both work at this company and we've been colleagues for the last few months. It's been great fun. Um, so I've been doing that for the last, well, coming up to a year now. Um, and my journey to become head of engineering at a software engineering company has not been straightforward. So, um, you know, the first, the first thing to say is, you know, I'm, I'm self-taught. 
as a as a software developer. So we love that. We love self-taught journeys in this show. Yeah, I know. Actually, yeah, some of your other guests have, have went through their journeys, and I've been have been so inspired listening to their stories because, um, you know, there are a fair few uh, software engineers who are self-taught, and they're they're around the industry, and you get to meet them all the time. Um, but um, you know, it's it's still uncommon for um, someone to kind of reach a head of a head of engineering position without without some sort of formal education so um it's it's um it's been an interesting it's been an interesting story <laughs> you know so um before 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 joining uh the tcb as we know it um i was actually a director of a company for eight years a creative agency so our advertising uh, web agency uh, based in belfast and um i was there for eight years sort of building up the the, the um the digital department and then before that, I actually worked in the television industry. So I actually started my career as in the television industry. Yes. <laughs> and if only you could see Alex's face now, she's like, what? Yeah. Um, I already heard like part of this story, yeah. but I'm still baffled. And <laughs> what I love about this journey is that you got into industries that are really hard to get into. Like people dream yeah. to get into the television industry. People dream to get into advertising and yeah. then people dream I don't know if people dream about being engineers. I don't know if a kid wakes up and says like, I want to be an engineer, Yeah. but to get to that level to say I'm head of something. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I got, I got, I was, I was extremely lucky. I have to say, because, you know, I went, first of all, I went to a quite, quite a good um, high school here in Belfast. It's in, in Northern Ireland, we have this thing called a grammar stream, which is um, a collection of kind of more academically orientated schools. And you kind of need to, do these exams when you're like 10 or 11 years old to get, get into these schools, which is horrifying when you think back on it, like you're testing these young people to kind of see if they're academically capable. Um, and thankfully, I think that whole thing's coming to an end soon. Um, but you have these, you have this grammar stream and I managed to get into this kind of really, I wouldn't say prestigious, but kind of like a, a more academically kind of geared school, um, which has its own problems. I mean, we can talk about this later, but like, because it's so academically kind of um, focused. Um, a lot of kids who kind of maybe didn't make it or, you know, at, at the age of 16 were kind of dumped out on the street with nothing. Whereas some of my friends who went to more vocational kind of schools had like all sorts of like vocational certificates and stuff like that. So if if they were unlucky enough to kind of have to leave school at 16, um, at least they had something, whereas some of my friends from my school didn't. And, um, but I did, I kind of really didn't like school at all. So, um, I, you know, so I, but because I had this kind of prestigious school, I managed to kind of open up a few opportunities for myself when I was at that age. And that's kind of the way the world works, unfortunately. Um, but I also was educated through the medium of Irish. So I'm bilingual. So I'm an English speaker, obviously, and an Irish speaker, uh, Gaelica. And luckily in the mid 2000s, after I'd spent some time playing in a band and kind of traveling the world and going around the place. Yeah, there's another Wait, look. What? Yeah, so before Wait, I was, yes, before I was in the television industry, I was in a band who toured around the place, which is a whole other story. <laughs> wait, 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 so you're telling me, so, so you're telling me that I'm also talking to a musician. I mean, I know because I see drums behind you and the audience doesn't know if there are drums back there, but they're also like, oh, Ray has this fun hobby. Are you telling me that you were also a professional musician for a while? I was for a while, yeah. So I was in a band called Tin Pot Operation. <laughs> when is the movie coming out? <laughs> It's yeah, like, well, you know, it wasn't like we weren't like world beaters. We didn't like reach the charts or anything like that. We were just kind of like a little band who happened to do quite well on on certain levels. Um, so did that you have was a like, cult following? 
A little bit, yeah, a little bit. <gasps> it was like around the sort of uh, early 2000s and we ended up touring around uh, GB, around Great Britain, um, France. We toured all around Ireland. We um, so we, And we had like a couple of CDs out and that kind of thing, a couple of YouTube videos when YouTube came along, that kind of thing. And That's going to um, be linked in the show notes, everybody. Just so. <laughs> yeah, well, don't, because it's like a past life now. It's like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't. But still, just like may maybe a fan will be like, I'm gonna find this. Yeah, Where no. no. There's still some people like into it. Like, there's some bands now. That's a funny story because some bands now now cover our songs from back in the early 2000s. What? Like around the little Bel little Belfast music scene, there's like folks who are like doing like folk versions of our of our rock songs and stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact, like a lot of people don't know this, but that you know a band called Busted? Yeah. In the United Kingdom. Yeah. So there's this other band called the Jonas Brothers that came out like in the mid like twenty tens and then the like Jonas Brothers like eventually they went off to do like their own separate things. One they all married well, which is the, the important part. Um <laughs> They married women way more way more powerful than them, and I celebrate that. Yeah. Um, so the first like five songs that they had were all covers from Busted. <laughs> but they changed the lyrics to make them like there's there's one called What I Go to School For, in which the students are in love with the teacher. They changed it because they were Disney, so to make it I'm in love from a girl for a higher class. And I'm like, You 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 did a disservice, sir. This song was better, like the original version is far better. Yeah, it's more, but it's too raunchy for Disney, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, Busted, they were kind of like a little uh, teen king kind of band, weren't they? I, I don't know. Like a long time ago. I'm a huge fan of Charlie Simpson. Like he's really like went to from Busted to his own like metal rock band. Then he went down to R and B. Then he's doing his own thing. Like that. The man has done a lot. I don't know what the other two are up to, but yeah. So musician. Then yeah. TV, then advertising, now engineering. Ray, yes. when do you sleep? <laughs> well, I know that's a good thing. That's a good question because actually I have two kids as well. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So like we were, uh, the whole band thing was funny because, like I say, it was I was kind of doing all jobs while in the band and and trying to scrape some money together and that kind of thing. But as I said, I was I was bilingual, so. I was lucky because in the middle of the kind of the 2000s decade, the noughties or whatever they call it, um, there was, I make a lot of people know this, there's a big push at the minute over the last sort of 20 years of getting TV productions to come to Northern Ireland. You know, we had Game of Thrones, we had lots of films and productions all come here. And that's through a company called uh, NI Screen. Mm -hmm. We were like really good at like um, promoting Northern Ireland as like a TV film um, kind of hub destination. Um, but they had a they had a little um, uh, like a scholarship program, right? Mm -hmm. which, which was called the ILBF, the Irish Language Broadcast Fund. And we love that, scholarship programs; they're yeah. so useful. We love them too. Yeah. So I, I, I had literally no background in TV, literally no background. But I was interested in kind of like the creative the creative side of things, you know, like and also the technical side of things. I always tinkered with computers and you know that kind of stuff. I was kind of technically minded, even though I hated kind of school and that kind of thing. And um, I, I applied for this scholarship and got on. So they were basically looking people who had Irish as a as a first language, which I had, and who had interest in the in the in the sort of television industry. And the, mm -hmm. what they did then is they basically trained you up to become producers, editors, sound engineers, camera operator, that kind of thing in the medium of Irish, because there's 
there's there was lots of productions happening through the medium of Irish and Ireland because we're trying to like revive the language and all that kind of stuff. So this was really interesting. I got to I got to do some cool stuff. You know, I was on that program for two years. We they took us to London, the Elstree Studios, to practice like camera work and production work and all that kind of stuff. And we so we, wait, give give me a second. I want to highlight this because I think this is amazing. Yeah. Are you telling me that there's this program that it's going to take? Like, is, is it geared towards people of a certain age or is it geared, it's uh, just anybody, like if you're in your 40s, you can say like, I want to introduce medium or. I'm not sure any, I th I'm not sure it's even going anymore because this was, this was kind of like 15 years ago, but I, I think so. I don't think there was an age limit on it. I just happened to be quite young at the time. I was in my kind of early, mid early 20s at the time um, and a, a few of the other people were kind of around the same age but I don't think there was any age limit on it you just have to have Irish and some interest in the TV business I, I, I love that I love when the barrier of entry I mean clearly yeah. like knowing Irish it's a very high bar of entry in the rest of the world but if it's a skill yeah. that it's already in that area yeah, I, I love that. I appreciate that so much. And I want to highlight programs like that because they really yeah. give people an opportunity when the only barrier of entry is can you do this one thing? It's not like who you know. It's not like can you afford it. It's just like, do you want to work hard? Exactly. And actually, the training program was extremely difficult. Like, I mean, in terms of like, it was, it was, um, it was pretty full on. Like for the two years, I bounced around a lot of different um, production companies. We were on set for a lot of time. There was lots of hours, like late nights, um, on set. Um, usually on location outside in Northern Ireland in the freezing cold, <laughs> you know, Jesus. and like running the truck. So like even just being a runner, that's like lifting lights off a truck and running it over to the, to the set and then lifting camera boxes and all this kind of stuff. So a lot of it was kind of like physical work. Um, not for everybody, but for me being a young kind of guy, it was like, yeah, you, you can lift the boxes off the truck. Great. You know, and then it was like everything from making coffee for, for the director right through to kind of like getting behind an edit suite at, at one point during the two years and um and then eventually into sound design because we had a little chat about sound doing this podcast and that's yes. what i kind of did as well and for for the last kind of six months of my kind of training program was um doing sound design because i was in the band and i kind of knew some sound equipment and stuff like that i kind of fell into doing that for a while and we did some interesting work actually uh we were doing like cartoon overdubs for a while so you have most, most well, I wouldn't say most, but a lot of like the cartoon um, productions in the world are, are done through English, obviously for the American market, GB and Australia and all the rest, English speaking world. And then they get, kind of get dubbed in different languages. Um, well, there was a lot of funding going around to kind of dub some of these English, popular English language cartoons into Irish for the, for the young people in Ireland and all the rest. So we kind of got some of that work. And so there was me behind the kind of sound desk, kind of doing Irish overdubs. And then I got the chance to go into the booth as well and play some characters and that kind of thing. What character did you play? Well, we did, there was three productions we did. Uh, some of your, some of the listeners might know, and you might know uh, Wah Wah Wubsy. Have you heard of Wah Wah Wubsy? It's like an American cartoon about a little kind of character with a springy tail. We did yeah. that one. There's one called Rock Boy and Toro we did, which is like this little kid who goes up into space and... Mm -hmm. And then my favorite, which wasn't very popular, actually, this cartoon kind of bombed around the world, but we got the, we got the, the Irish language version it was called Inc, which was the invisible network of kids. Okay. Right. And it was, it was, I think it was a French production that was originally in French. It was dubbed to English and then we dubbed it to Irish, which was just so funny <laughs> because the English translation wasn't perfect. And we oh, were kind no. of trying to guess what the script was and stuff like that. It was really interesting work, but I got the play, uh, the little science um, expert kid who's called Newton. Uh huh. 
play him in in the Irish version, which was so much fun. Um, you know what? The, I I I hold I sustain this, and actually, this is like very timely because uh, Cartoon Network was just purchased by Warner, right? And I don't know if you agree with this. Maybe I'm being controversial. But the early 2000s, like early to mid to like early to, from 2000 to 2010, it was the golden age of cartoons. Yeah. It yeah. was crazy. People yeah. keep saying what the kids are watching now. And I'm like, I was watching Courage the Coward Dog <laughs> and I am fine. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's like, bring back the tablet. People like 90s kids are going to know this, like how traumatizing Courage the Coward Dog is. <laughs> like the eggs from the alien or... Like the, the Powerpuff Girls. Yes. It, this, that's a story about a single dad who chemically made three girls and they fight a drag queen. <laughs> and we're fine. Yes, I know. It's like, oh, the cartoons are like, Paw Patrol is racist. I'm like, we were watching Cow and Chicken. Their parents were a set of legs. <laughs> yeah, I know. And Ren and Stimpy. And, you know. Exactly. Jesus. <laughs> we, like I, re- I remember my dad watching cartoons with me and me being like oh my dad is so funny he's laughing at Rocco's modern life and now I'm watching it as an adult yes. and I'm like yeah this is hilarious as, yes. as you and you I remember this... sorry I just have a great story about <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Life because my I have a brother who's eight years older than me and uh-huh. I just loved everything he did so I loved all his music and all his cults, cultural stuff that he brought from the 80s I loved all that stuff because you had idolized any I don't know if you have any older siblings I am the older sibling and I am uh, not I, idolized <laughs> right well I, I idolized him <laughs> um, and so um, my parents were like oh do you guys want to watch TV and my brother would be like yeah yeah there's this really cool cartoon cartoon uh, called Rocco's Modern Life yeah my parents were like oh it's just a cartoon it's fine you know it must be for kids <laughs> and my brother was like yeah you just watch it with me it's fine <laughs> so I got it's to okay. watch it yeah, I got to watch Rocco's Modern Life with my older brother. It was great. great fun. For those of you who have, who are maybe on, of the younger persuasion and you don't know what that cartoon is, there is this joke that I didn't understand until I was in like my mid twenties, and because I hadn't seen it, I just randomly started watching Rocco on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they go to the mall, and they say like they have a section for the husbands, yeah. and it's the and it's the jack off park, and they're just playing in jackhammers yeah like the euphemism is clearly there but they make it funny it's like oh kids will be like oh jack hammers but as adults it's like oh it's a joke about masturbation cool yeah exactly uh and that's why my brother was so cool because he allowed me to watch it it was great oh that's amazing so there you are like dubbing cartoons doing all this work like how how do you go from that to advertising okay so right um so around that time when when you when you can, well, I worked for a company called Sterling TV at the time, right? So I was doing all this work for Sterling TV, which is a small enough company. I think with about thirty people, thirty five people, and then lots of kind of freelancers and stuff hanging around. My boss at the time was a wonderful uh, woman called Anne. She was the, the, the managing director of the company. And actually, looking back on it, because thinking about coming on this podcast, one of the questions you're like, who's your who was like your your kind of mentor in terms of like learning and that kind of thing? I would say it's her because she she was the first person in my life who convinced me that actually I could have a career because up to then I was, I was kind of drifting between this and that. And I didn't, I hate like I've alluded to this earlier in the conversation. I, I hated formal education, just didn't suit me at all. I went to a nice pre- prestigious school, but hated every moment of it, you know? 
Um, which, and so I, I kind of didn't realize in my life that I would be able to have anything, like be successful at something. But she was the first person to convince me. It's like, Ray, you know, you're fine. Just, you know, you're doing great. Like, get on with it. And and you can have you can have whatever career you want. So looking back on it, it was great to have her as a boss. So what when you're in a small company like that, uh, you have to kind of do lots of different things. So, yeah, I was dubbing cartoons and doing voiceover work. But it was also, as I said earlier, lifting boxes from trucks and making coffee for the director and doing some video editing and and then doing some like location scoping and stuff. So we, we used to jump in the Volkswagen and drive up the, the Northern Ireland coastline to try and find some interesting locations for our shows. Because some of the shows we were doing were like murder mysteries and stuff. So you need these kind of foggy cliffside locations with like all these kind of spooky things happen. So we, that was part of my job as well, was just driving around looking for these cool locations. So like you do a little bit of everything. So one of the things that I ended up doing um, the company won a big contract to do like a, a a drama, like a teen a teen focused drama. It was called Six Degrees. It was on the BBC. It was on like RTE and like the the Irish the Irish broadcaster. And it was there was, in, there's yeah. an actor that I like that wasn't that show. Yes, she was in Derry Girls. Yes, 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 exactly. So yeah, I got to meet her before she was famous. Was yeah, oh, you, yeah, wait, you met her. Yeah, so, so they were all part of the cast. We were all a big team, and yeah, what? yeah. Um, I was I was gonna ask you if you if you like met any famous people while in those times. Well, yeah, I've met some famous, but they're, they're mostly locally famous here in Northern Ireland. You know, like um, any Northern Irish listeners, if I named the names, would know them, but no one would know them outside Northern Ireland. You know, it's like lo- local news people and stuff like that. <laughs> we, we can we can share this with the with the TCB crew, and they'll be like, "Wow, Ray is so cool." He knew this person and there are no Northern Irish people there. We yeah. can make it work. Yeah. Drop some names. Drop, drop a name. Drop yeah. a name. Well, the, the girl we're talking about is Jamie Lee O'Donnell, of course. Yes. She was in Dairy Girls. So, yeah, I got the main. She also her. won her episode of uh, The British Bake Off. Oh, so she did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. She also oh, won Unexpectedly that. as well, unexpectedly. So, she she, <laughs> she went into Bake Off not thinking she wouldn't do well. She actually did really well. Yeah, and a few others, a few others like Mervyn Jess and like Jerry Anderson and these people that no one outside Northern Ireland will know, but they're like new, they're like local radio personalities and that kind of thing, you know. <laughs> they have cool names. Do you think yeah. you would have made it to work? Like, th- does any part of you think if I had stayed there, I would have met Kate Harrington or the, yeah. the people from Game of Thrones and I cannot name another actor because I am terrible with names? Well, okay, first things first, I haven't seen Game of Thrones, right? So I can't name drop. Okay, I know your face, look. <laughs> Because you're like, well, how come you haven't seen Game of Thrones? No, no, it, it's not that. It's not that. It's it's jealousy, because you get to watch it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I am going to watch it sometime. I just haven't haven't got around to it. So it's eight seasons. It. I don't blame you. It's a real commitment. It's yeah. a real, real commitment. I yeah. I remember the first time that I watched it, and this is gonna be a spoiler. I'm sorry, but I mean, this is a. It's been out for a while. It's a, at some point, it's your fault. <laughs> that is um, <laughs> I, I watched it with my best friend and his girlfriend, and we had both seen seen it already. Like the girls had seen it, and he was the first time. And at the end of the first episode, I'm like, "What do you think? They're evil, right?" And she's like, "Yeah, they pushed that kid off a wall." And I'm like, "Yeah, and they're gonna kill the king." And he's like, "Their brother and sister." <laughs> he's like, "Their brother and sister." This is not okay. And that's it. Like, yeah. And they're twins. They're twins. Like he couldn't get over <laughs> that part. And I was like, they're going, it's like, they pushed a kid off a tower. It's like, yeah, but they're brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it, it was, it's a wild show. I recommended that the eighth season. It's okay. It's, it's yeah. fine. I guess. I've seen like, I, I, 
I scrolled Reddit more than I should, and so I've seen like <laughs> no one liked like the last season and all that kind of thing. But I, I don't think that's a spoiler. I will watch it at some point. I have to watch it because what I'm about to tell you is like means that I have to watch it because I left the television industry just before Game of Thrones came, and like all my colleagues from the old company ended up working on it. What? Yeah. So like a lot of them ended up on the production, um, just helping out, like. Um, executive producer, not the executive producers, no, uh, just like producers and like showrunners and all that kind of stuff. They were doing lots of different things on it and just, and uh, like you were, I mean, just, just on that ILBF thing I talked about earlier, the, the little scholarship program that I was on, like the, the low barrier to entry might make people think that, you know, uh, well, it's kind of like, they're like token, like these people are like token members of like the TV industry, but actually some of the folks that I was on that program with who had no experience in tv ended up doing really amazing things with with productions like game of thrones with and some of them are working on doctor who over in cardiff so they moved wow. over to wales to work on doctor who some of them are actually in hollywood as well um doing bits and pieces on like hollywood movies and that kind of thing so it's it was an amazing program but like it actually still exists like i'm googling it now and it, it right. still exists okay let me just google it myself because i haven't yeah uh, yeah, the Irish language broadcast one's still going. That's great. It's great to hear because it's like I said, it's been like maybe fifteen years since I since I was involved. But it was such a great, um, a great um, uh, scholarship program that just allowed. Like I say before that, I was drifting. I was like in a band and kind of doing odd jobs, and like that was the first time I kind of thought, oh, you know, I could probably have a career doing something if I if I applied myself and done something about it. You know, um, so it is a massively um, brilliant scheme. So like how I ended up then working advertising and then after that was as i was saying like in a small company you're asked to do lots of different small things you're you know you're kind of a dog's body you're you're doing this you're doing that but one of the things i was asked to do when six degrees came along mm -hmm. um that that production was i one of my jobs was to load the tapes at the end of the day so load the dailies basically so the, the daily tapes come in from the production they need digitized almost immediately they allow the editors to kind of get working but our editors were remote so this is like early remote days mm -hmm. And I had to figure out a way of getting this footage, not only digitized, but then online. All right. Now mm -hmm. I, was, I was always like tinkering with like websites and bits and pieces, because I'd, I'd done the website for the band. I'd done a website for a friend, just doing HTML and CSS, just some basic stuff. Like if you look back on it now, it'd be terrible, but I kind of understood kind of how websites work and how that kind of thing went. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of cobbled together this little solution that um, used a protocol called FTP. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's file transfer protocol. It's just like a way to send files into a server and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I kind of came up with this little. It was it was kind of clever, but it was uh, looking back on it, it was really rudimentary. But any any of the files that landed on my local machine were automatically FTP'd up to the server, and then they were automatically um, sent down to like the editor's computer and stuff like that. It was a whole big thing. And it was in the days before like YouTube came along. This was sort of 2007. So YouTube was only just purchased by, mm -hmm. by Google. It was kind of still smallish. It isn't the monster that it is now that does video on online. So video online back in those days wasn't a thing really yet, you know? It's for, for the for the youngsters in the audience. There was a point in history that YouTube had no ads. <laughs> yes, I know. And your videos couldn't be longer than three minutes. <laughs> exactly. It's like having an hour, like having an entire TV episode on YouTube was not a thing. Yeah. And also you didn't like you things wouldn't cut off like at 15 minutes to give you an ad. Like this was pre all that. Yeah. The, the, the internet still had dial tone. We didn't have Wi-Fi back then. Yeah, it would it would have been it would have been the early days of broadband. So the broadband we'd have had would have been 
520k broadband, which is like less than a megabyte. Now we've got like 100, 100 gig broadband, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so this is really early days. I thought it was it was a difficult little thing to pull off, but it got me interested in kind of websites and that kind of thing. And I then I then just decided, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of this. People were asking me to do more of it, right? Mm-hmm. So like, um, they saw the talent, the potential, the ingenue. No, I don't think so. I think they saw. I think they saw an easy way to get some of their problems solved without having to like go to like a full agency and pay pay like thousands and thousands. So that like I was I was the guy in the company who could like technically fix things and get things going. So I think that's more of it. And actually, one of your previous guests um, said that that she was in a small company and she, she was asked to do the artwork because she was just the person who could do the artwork. And the next thing you know, she made. Like a sustainable design out of it. Um, Emma Fanning, episode yes. three. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that that was a similar sort of thing. I I, I kind of related to that really strongly because it was like I, I only fell into it because I was the guy that could kind of do it more than anyone else in the company. And so it kind of grew from there. And then I decided, look, I'm gonna I needed extra money. My first my firstborn came along, um, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna need extra money here. Um, let's see if I can get some freelance work doing kind of like websites. And I discovered a couple of open source platforms. Joomla was one of them, um, which is like an open source kind of website builder kind of platform. And I was able to kind of get some freelance work doing it, bit of extra money coming in, which was great with a wee baby and everything in the house. And, and then it kind of just grew from there. And what happened with ending up joining the advertising agency is I got a phone call one day um, from a business owner in Northern Ireland it was the biggest business owner that I had contact with at the time because they have, they're an optician and they have like 15 stores around Northern Ireland. So they're quite big, quite big. Mm-hmm. They had a Joomla website and they were having awful trouble with it. There was some problem with it and I, they found me online. They just typed in like Joomla expert Northern Ireland and I came up. It's such a little small, Joomla was kind of a little small niche thing and Northern Ireland such a small little niche country that like, someone like me could be the expert in Northern Ireland on this platform, you know, but if I was in London, I would be like lost among all the agencies and never get anything like this. But, but it was kind of like happen chance that I was in this small country and it came, came to be. You know what? I, I think that's a perfect example of when people say like, I have to go to New York to be successful mm-hmm. or I have to go to London or I have to go to Berlin or I have to go yeah. to Amsterdam to be successful. It's like, you, you can be the go-to person in a smaller community. Just because you're in a small community doesn't mean you cannot be successful. Yeah, exactly. And actually being like small in, in a smaller place allows you for more opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And actually, as I said, if I was in a bigger city, I would have been lost among all the agencies. Like I would never have, I would have, I don't know what, would, what hard things would have worked out if I went to London or whatever. So, um, you know, and that's, that that was lucky for me so I, I managed to kind of fix this guy this guy's website which like i said was running 15 stores big e-commerce thing really really difficult to do but i spent like my evenings doing it i was doing it overnight i was staying up to two three in the morning trying to get everything fixed feeding <clears throat> but a baby doing night feedings probably too yeah exactly and actually just like my wife was absolutely wonderful at the time she knew that as she knew at the time that i was determined to get something and she supported me the whole way through that kind of thing and actually lesser kind of relationships would have broken down i think if if like i you know if i was staying up to two in the morning trying to get some work done and um in other circumstances that would have been disastrous but it wasn't thankfully um let's take a moment to celebrate a supportive partner absolutely absolutely um taking my hat off to supportive partners yes and i and in, in turn i try to be as supportive as i can for her career and everything too so that's great um Aww. but so yeah so the the story is then that they 
this company had a, a branding agency, right? So this is the company I ended up joining. And so we, we then had a mutual client. I was doing their e-commerce work while doing their branding and, and sort of advertising work. And someone then told one of the directors on a, on a boozy night out in Belfast that, oh, you guys need to have digital. If you don't have digital, you're going to be left behind. You're nothing if you don't have like digital. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, you have to have it. It's like yeah. the thing now. Yeah, exactly. I'm that's how it sounded. <laughs> so that was the soundbite anyway. <laughs> um, and so they, they were like, well, who's the only digital guy we know? It was like, well, Ray is doing that a great job with, with this optician. So maybe we should approach them. So they came to me and said, like, can you do some digital for us? And we're like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I can do digital for your clients. No worries, no worries. And at this time, I was still working for Starting TV. And... So I did a wee bit of a little bit of freelance for them doing bits and pieces. And they said, look, this needs to be more formal. Can you come into the office and start? And I, so I handed in my resignation at, at starting, which was timely. Like it was like two or three months before Game of Thrones was announced. And now everybody kind of went. Um, and so, but it was fine because I actually found a better niche for myself within software engineering. I just, I just found doing it was much more me. Um, and I could take ownership of it a little bit more because I was kind of freelancing. It was It was mine rather than kind of being told, right, you're the guy that's emptying the truck this today, you're the guy who's doing this today. It was more like I owned it and it was mine and it was like, right, that I can I can kind of forge my own path. Um, so within two or three months, I'd joined kind of a contractor, mm-hmm. worked at a contractor for them for about a year. And then uh, I think their kind of tax accountant at some point said, look, you can't just have this contractor sitting in your office. Like you need to like <laughs> offer them like a, um, a full-time position. So when they came to me, I said, look, we want to keep you on. We want to get you in full time. Um, this is back in sort of 2014. Um, can you come in full time? And what would be the conditions under which you you would come in full time? So I went back and spoke to my wife about it. I was like, well, what am I going to say? Am I going to say, like, I want a really good salary, which I could have asked for, like a really good salary, and just be like the person who does digital with an illness. And then I thought about it for a while. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just chance this. So I went into the meeting with them with an idea that I was going to ask for equity within the company. And to become a director i said look i want there was three guys in the company at the time they had like third ownership of the company i said look i want to be 25 percent owner on the level with you guys if we're going to build a digital department i want to be heading it up and the one if we're going to do it we're going to do it right i want you know and they agreed so within a year i was like a director of this company who had been going for 10 years they had, mass, they had some massive clients in the whole advertising space they had like international bank I, which I can't name for client confidentiality, but like, of course, banking. of course, it's a, a bleed blob. Let's call it the bank, international bank. Yeah. Bleed blob. yeah. So like huge, huge corporate clients. They were, but these guys were like old world advertising. This is, this is where mm-hmm. they were like, you know, the, the madman type, type old world, you know, <gasps> wow. now, they weren't sipping whiskey in the office, but it was that kind of world that they lived in. It was kind of like, Oh, little, little, um, little breaks away flying over to, to Madrid and then flying to Rome and then flying to London to see a client. It was all that kind of world that I was just completely not part of. Like I, that was alien to me completely. Um, and so it was, it was kind of oldie worldy kind of stuff. And I was like trying to impose some digital kind of thinking and all this kind of stuff. It was, it was a really good adventure. I was there for eight years. It was great fun. We had loads of really good, lo- lovely digital clients. Um, we'd built websites, we built apps, we'd, we, I'd started to build a team and stuff like that with lots of a few developers and designers in and that kind of thing. It was really fun. Um, so I did that for eight years. I was like, like I say, and I, if you'd asked me like in 2016, 2017, like, would you be moving away from this company? Like you've got 25% equity in the company. You've, you're a director, you know, you can, you've, you're the kind of in control of your own life. Um, would you leave it? I absolutely categorically said no. 
this isn't I would never leave it. It's my it, you know, it's partly my company. It's never happening. Mm-hmm. And actually I said to my wife at the time, you know, I'll never you know, I'll never have a boss again. This is so good. I can I can pick my own hours. I can do my own thing. It's great. I'll, this is this is me for life now. But what happened? Yeah, so I ended the people, up. The people are like, but how could you walk away from that? <laughs> yeah, I know it's a, it's it, it just got to the point where I I don't want to I don't want to kind of still going and they're great they're a brilliant company they're doing great work. I just didn't feel as if um, the digital thing was was the way to go for them. Um, I was I was still um, I was still kind of like hitting against that kind of old thinking. I just wanted a new challenge. I'd, I'd been there for eight years, and I was like, right, we've got we've got this list of clients. They're all lovely, but I'll be pushing pushing buttons around a screen for the rest of my time here if we don't really do something new. You know what? It's 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 fine. It's fine. It's yeah. I I think there is this. I don't, I don't know this mentality that when you leave a job you leave it in bad terms yeah it, and it can be like i don't know like you have heard the show maybe i've mentioned the show before like before i worked i before i was raised uh, colleagues with ray at tcb before i was freelancing i was working at a company called statista i love statista i borderline wore the statista hoodie to the tcb company <laughs> event that's how much i love them and honestly i left it because of the same reason i was like i'm gonna be making these templates infographics for the rest of my career. Yeah. I I don't want to, I want a new challenge. And that job is great. I think it's a great job. The people are amazing. I continue freelancing for them, but I when I freelance, I could also do other things, like other mm-hmm. challenges. So leaving a job is not necessarily a bad thing. Like sometimes you outgrow things. Yeah. That's an option. Sometimes you just want a new challenge. Sometimes you just, I don't know, you decide that you want to become a clown. I don't know. I don't oh. know what people do in life. But well, like you've just heard what I've done in my life. Like you jump from one thing to the next to the next. To the next if you t- if you qu- if you tell me you quit TCB because you want to become a surgeon, I'll be like, that's on track. That, that tracks. I mean, I'm not shocked. <laughs> yeah, I've been straight secretly like studying medicine in the evening time. <laughs> Could be. Yeah. I don't know. You also, get a Spryker certification. I'm like, yeah. m- maybe Ray wants to go out and say, you know what, I'm gonna be a truck driver now, and I'll be like. <laughs> Okay, that's a that's a that's a weird step, but it's, it's funny actually. I spoke to some of our colleagues on a on a phone call a couple of weeks ago, and this subject came up. And I said, actually, what I'd like to do before I retire would be a greenkeeper on a golf course because I think that would be really interesting. You'd be out, in, out in the fresh air all day, kind of just walking around in the grass up among the trees, and kind of. And I thought oh, that would be just so good to do at some point, and I might do it at some point. I don't know. <laughs> hey, why not? Like, I mean. You can do it part time when you retire. Yeah. Who knows? Like, <laughs> I'm, maybe not actually, you... I'm not actually that into golf either. It's just, it's just like, how do you have a job that allows you to walk around in a nice, in a nice like green field? Like, I could be you a know farmer. What? I could be, you know. My sister just graduated high school. I, I am the older sibling, but I'm not. I, I'm not idolized. My my sister really like digs into me, um, and she has a. Uh, a classmate like they just graduated high school and he's like i want to become a park ranger yeah i just want to walk around the forest protected and i'm like that's such a noble profession I would love and that. that would be so cool that would be so cool that would yeah. be- i know this guy whose job was like he did an internship for six months in brazil his job was counting trees <laughs> awesome counting trees yeah he would get like this is your area this this hector right here Count how many trees, like log what species they are. If you see any bugs, if you see any frogs, log that too. Awesome. That's an awesome job. 
he said it was hell. He he was like afraid for his life every single day, but yeah, that's a different story. Yeah, I think if there's there is a lot of difference between like a local golf course in Northern Ireland and, and like the, in the jungle in Brazil. In Brazil, yeah, there's there's some some slight differences. Yeah, so I, I making the change then to come to TCB. I I just woke up one day thinking, right, I'm going to see what's out there. I had a, had a few developer friends too who were telling me, you know, like, you you need to see the job market at the minute. It's insane. You know, there's lots of opportunity. And they knew I was kind of like languishing slightly. The whole pandemic thing happened and I was at home all the time. I didn't feel part of a company and that kind of stuff. I just felt like I was on my own again, like freelancing, because at the company, there, at the old company, there was like a proper disconnect between the digital clients and the advertising clients. They weren't mm-hmm. the same client list so it was almost like freelancing anyway so it's like i'm doing this like at home it's like i might as well just be kind of on my own um so i had a look at the job market when the tcb job came up and then i spoke to niall and alistair who are mm-hmm. the CEO and managing director of, of the company i liked their vision i liked what they were planning and it felt like to me it was the same job i was doing building building like a, an engineering a software engineering team which is what I was doing basically at the old company, but doing it in a much bigger scale. So in other words, like I could, I could have stayed at the old company and like been working with those kind of local clients, nothing against the old clients. They were, they were brilliant. I love them. Um, but they were all kind of based in Northern Ireland, based in Belfast. Whereas Niall and Alistair, their vision was, you know, like we're going to be a worldwide company. This is global. It's, and we're starting and it was almost, it almost felt like getting in at the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Where the lift starts going up and it's like that could take me anywhere as you know we have we have three campuses we're, we're based in belfast london and amsterdam so right away i was thinking wow this is cool i get to meet people like alex <gasps> yes Which, you know because it was like before i was kind of it really was a lonely existence i was on my own like a few of the, a few of our developers left us like they they seen the same job market i was saying so they left and it was kind of just down to me again it's like I'm not I'm not meeting anyone new. Like who the people I've met met at the TCB in the last year have just been incredible. Like I during the bureau day, which is for the listeners, that's the, like the Quidditch day that we yeah. were at. It's a big, it's like a big uh, company kind of get together that happens kind of once a year where everyone gets together and has fun. Uh, one of one of our engineers had to stay at home because his his wife was due to give birth. Could uh, be now. She could be having birth. Dude, could be giving birth now. Yeah, go and check the Slack. It's happened. <laughs> so well, oh, it happened. Wow. Under the word, baby Jude. Um, so he was he was at home, and but I was I was Slack texting him just from my phone while we were going through the bureau day to, to make him kind of feel involved and stuff like that. And uh, he was in. Do you remember we did like the little pitch deck thing? Yeah. Exercise where we had to come up with like a pitch in like half an hour, but half an hour to come up with like a business pitch, which was so fun. Um, the remote guys, the people who could make it to, to the day, they had to kind of huddle together on teams and do a little pitch. And I texted the, the, the guy and I said, like, how amazing is it? Like, cause he was working with Makara and a few mm-hmm. other like amazing people. And I was like, how amazing is it to be surrounded by such smart, capable people? Like I was just blown away. Like I was working with Elisa and, um, and Peter Paul and these people, you know, in the company, amazing, amazing, amazing people. And I was like, if you yeah, rewind a year ago to where when I was sitting alone, kind of just like pushing modules around on a on a computer screen, it's like getting to meet these people is just, it just makes everything kind of worth it. And that's, I know that sounds kind of soppy, but it makes a big the people you work with makes a massive difference. And it so, does. Yeah, it completely does. The whole prospect of coming to the TCB and then helping helping Alistair and Niall kind of build an engineering team was just too good to refuse. Like, how can you refuse something like that? 
it was such it was just it was just the next step in the adventure and and also because because i wasn't afraid in my previous career as we've been through of just making the jump mm-hmm. like i've never been afraid just to go right that's it i'm making the jump it's it's done um then it was easy then just to make that jump i think it would be a lot harder for someone who maybe came through university and like being a director of a company was there everything but for me it wasn't everything i'd done all this stuff i'd been through lots of different industries i've done lots of different things i had done some traveling i've lived and worked in the united states for a while and all sorts that we didn't get into and um and so it's like for me it was easy just to make the jump and actually those little those little um periods in my life and my career where i made that jump i've actually just like completely put the old thing to bed completely you know it's like that's done now that's yeah. done. like you said you said about the band you know we'd be links in the description of the, of the podcast and stuff it's like nah it's not because it's, it's like that's like in a past life to me it's like a completely different person and i try i try my best not to be kind of allow old me like uh, um i have a lobster in mine What's that? So you know how lobsters do you know how lobsters never stop growing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like some animal like most animals have like like okay, they're gro- they're they're done growing, like they reach adulthood, they're done. And yeah. then they stop growing. So lobsters are this thing that never stops growing. And they will like because of crustaceans, like they, they shed the shell. They're like, I'm done with that shell. I have a new one because I am a new yeah. I am me, but I'm in a different stage. Yeah. So this is what I'm thinking. It's like you're not afraid to like break out of your shell and be like, okay, that is that chapter is done. I'm gonna go into this new one. Yeah. And I have a question for you because so I am a person that decided to go to university later in life. So I did yeah. a technical degree then because I I was good at school in Ecuador and Mexico. Mm-hmm. I was terrible at school in Germany because I wasn't I didn't like what I was studying. So I couldn't go to university in Germany. I had to do a technical degree. So when I came to the Netherlands to do my BA, I was uh, 26. So when I graduated, I was 30. And my classmates were like in their early 20s, like in their still late teens when we started. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God, are you like nervous about being 30? And I'm like, I'm tired. Like my 20s have been super long. It's like I switched countries three times. I freelanced. I worked full time. Yeah. I started my own things and my own things, like things that I started died out. It's like, it comes to a point that you're like, I've done so many things before and switched so many times before that switching again, it's more like, eh, like switching countries. Like for me, when I told my old co- colleagues in Hamburg that I was going to move to the Netherlands, they were like, you're going to switch countries. That's so big. That's a lot. And I'm like, I've done it before. Yeah. It's, it's what you're used to then, you see. And it's, yeah. And the thing is like some people, not that this is a bad thing, but some people just stick to their home country they don't move careers they don't move around or whatever and that's fine that's great for them yeah for some people like moving around is natural like finding the next opportunity is natural finding the next area to study or go deep into is is natural and and because it's only natural because they've kind of had to do it in the past and then it becomes easier as you do it more so your next move whatever that might be will be easier because you've done it before you know all the little things that go into kind of moving country moving city you, yeah. And you know what else I love? I love, like, I'm thinking about what, what your kids are going to go through, like having a dad who has this experience. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I read this book recently. Oh, no, wait, no. I listened to a podcast. I bought the book. I haven't read the book yet. Um, it's about uh, raising resilient kids. The mm-hmm. problem is that now in the U- it's it's U- U.S. centered. And since mm-hmm. you work in the U.S., like, you know, this culture mm-hmm. that parents align their kids perfectly to get to the Ivy League. Yeah. And then they get to the Ivy League and they have breakdowns because they're like, okay, now you're on your own because I got you to the Ivy League and they don't know what to do next. Yeah. 
And the book is about just let them try different things, let them choose, let them own up their choices. Yeah. And I'm guessing that you said that if your kid tells you, I want to try this thing, you're going to be like, sure, try it. It's like, yeah. I changed my mind. I want to try this other thing. You're, you're not going to be like, think about your career. Think no. about what this will mean in five years. You're a different, I'm guessing because we have this life experience. I'm, I'm thinking of the next question, which is like you as a teacher. Yeah. I love that we have gone through this, uh, like the interview actually super smoothly. And I'm guessing it's because you know the questions, you know the show. Uh -huh. But I'm just thinking like how you're going to approach well, look, this in the future. Yeah. I mean, I was talking to a U.S. based friend. He's based in Texas, and he's he was saying to me, you know, his kids in America, they they you're right, they kind of align their kids from a very early age to either go to Ivy League or have a career in mind. So they're constantly asking their kids, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" I think I've asked my my kids are twelve and seven. I think I've asked my twelve year old daughter twice in her whole life what she might want to do when she grow up, and that was only because she's at the age now where. I want to be able to, we want to be able to kind of give her some of the tools that she might need to practice. So mm -hmm. for, um, FYI, my daughter wants to be an author, right? At the moment, that's what she wants to be. Nice, but, nice. Yeah, so that's really good. She, she loves books and stuff like that. So what do you do? What do you do when someone, when a young person says, like, I want to be an author, right? So I was thinking, well, look, here you go. We can, we can supply you with all the, all the paper and pen you'll ever need, right? So that's easy to get. You can get paper and pen anywhere. That's fine, right? Um, but here's, here's a few big books on like creative writing and here's like a week we've sent her to, we've, we've got her like a space in a local writing club for kids. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, that's so cute. Right. Which is great. Cause we're in a privileged position to be able to do that. You know, um, you work, no, well you, you got the, I think like, I, I was like, actually read this book recently. It's about like privilege. It's like everybody yeah. has some kind of privilege. Mm -hmm. It's like you. I, I get the feeling some people say like, oh, or privilege. It's like you're privileged because you work hard. Like you and your wife work hard to give her the, these things. Of course, but I, I'm under no illusions, Alex, that my face fits the bill as a, as a software engineer. I, I am under no illusions whatsoever that if I was a person of color and maybe female, that mm -hmm. the company would have never taken me on as director. And we're talking about the digital advertising agency, right? Yeah, so that is just, that is just absolutely fact. My face fits the bill and I'm under no illusions that that was the case, right? Touching deep topics. Yeah, because I, you have to check your privilege and I understand every day that um, like I, some of the opportunities that we've talked about throughout this talk, mm -hmm. um, some of them, like they, they didn't open up to me because I'm kind of like a white male, right? Mm -hmm. um, they open up because um, I worked hard to kind of learn what to do, but I understand that there's other barriers. To other of course, people, like right? you're also like born in a, you, like you're born in Europe. That, exactly, that's exactly. Start there. So you're like, bilingual, another privilege. Yeah, no, exactly. you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, I always, I always try and count our blessings and everything that, you know, um, yeah, we're able to, we're able to give our kids this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, we work hard for it, but also, you know, there's, there's people who are working hard and, and can't still can't supply these kind of things for the kids. So I'm under no illusions. Um, but it, it was interesting talking to say it's uh, my father-in-law. So my wife's, my wife's uh, father, um, we were just chatting about the kids' futures and stuff. We were just chatting idly. And I said, look, um, we're trying to get, uh, our daughter to, to sort of really try her best to kind of become an author if she can, right? And she's only 12. Like, so we're just, we're just like cautiously giving her the tools and stuff to do that. But what I want to do is prepare her for whenever she kind of gets to university age, if she wants to not go to university, 
mm-hmm. and just sit in a cafe and write a novel, then I want to have, I want to be in a position where I can help her do that. Right. When I said that, my father-in-law's eyebrows were like, what? Like, really? Like, and I was like, but that's like old thinking. Was, yeah. It's very old school. Yeah. Yeah, because my father-in-law would be more like, "Oh, she should go. She should do her exams. She needs to go to university. She needs to pick a pick a, a discipline and stick to it, and kind of like get a good career and all this kind of stuff." I'm like, "Nope, nope." If she if 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 she like if I like save up a lot of money and allow her to kind of take a year off from university to try to be an author and it doesn't work, then I don't care. I'd be disappointed that she didn't. That it uh, doesn't work, but I wouldn't be like disappointed that we wasted money or anything like that. It would be like at least she gave it a go. She'll find something. Everyone does. Everyone yeah. does. Just keep keep trying, and you'll find something. You don't have to kind of come through that very straight route to get to somewhere. The way kind of like the older generation may have thought was the way to go. You know. Yeah, and also the older generation was more like you have a job, keep that job, protect that job with yeah. your life. Like this, yeah. like um, we have we have this expression in in, in Spanish. It's like um, cuida tu sueldito, which means um, watch for your little check, your little paycheck. It's like don't don't make any waves, like don't move, like taking mm-hmm. risks. It's it's yeah. not welcome because when you live in a third world country, when poverty is always like looming behind you, you're like, okay, I have to watch out for this. And I'm I'm totally your camp by the way. I am haunted by the thought that I got extremely lucky in life mm-hmm. thinking that, I mean, I got lucky that I was born to my parents, that my dad was already an engineer when he was 22. Mm-hmm. So, and he had his family to support him, like his first job. Then he met awesome people. I, I want to do an episode with my dad, but he won't be on the pod. I've asked him several times. He won't do it. It's very <laughs> sad. Um, yeah. I would love to hear that pod. Jesus. No. It's like, I, I, I will get him to it. Like, I, I need to, like, be like, I need to, like, be in a car accident. And he like, but dad, I cannot walk. Would you be on my podcast? Then he'll do it. Um, extreme measures to get yeah, Extreme measures to get him to be on the show. No, my mom as well. Like, their their whole story, it's, it's really impressive. Yeah. And it's this thing, but I am haunted by the thought that a little girl that was born in the same hospital at the same day, same time, will probably, she, she probably works as it works in a hotel like cleaning a hotel in Ecuador and she'll never do anything other than that yeah and it's about like using like okay being aware of your privileges and be like how am I going to use them to help somebody else move forward and I was thinking you should get your daughter there's this thing I I I bought it for my sister when she was very small she's now same vein loves reading loves writing she's now studying audiovisual design here in the Netherlands because she wants to make movies and she wants to write movies and tv shows um there's a thing called story blocks it's a set of uh, I think it's nine dice, and yeah, that's great. It's such yeah. a good tool. It's like it's a place, a time, a character, and you throw and you have to write a story about it. Yeah, we yeah. have those. We have those. Uh, my mother, we got them a few years ago. She loves them. It's so cool. It's so it's, cool. My sister had me play when she was little in a in a plane, and I was like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah. It's like swamp bee. I don't know. <laughs> Superhero. Yeah, it really helps you think on your feet, though, those things. Like, you need yeah. to talk something now. <laughs> no, but, but kids are so imaginative. She, she probably wrote, like, in the time that I was thinking, like, she wrote 20 pages. Yeah. But I love also, like, when kids love Legos and they're like, oh, you're going to be an architect. It's like, no, maybe they just like Legos. Lego, yeah, exactly. Like, Let them like it. It's like not everything. But that's, again, that's old school thinking. Like, if you show yeah. interest in something when you're four years old, that's your career forever. Yeah. And but not, not... Exactly. We and grow actually... and we change. Your previous guest in the last podcast that I was listening to while we were on the beer day, he was saying about the art artwork for like a, a six year old's artwork. 
Is oh yeah, Paul Delaney. Yeah, Paul Delaney. He was saying like like um the the six-year-old will draw you or paint you like the best damn alligator you've ever seen, right? They're like, fuck yeah, this alligator is red. It's like Yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. And it's like if that whole like what are you gonna be when you grow up, whenever you see like a six-year-old painting or a six-year-old trying to write a story or doing something with Lego, it's like stop stop imposing kind of like the grown-up world into what the kids doing just let them play lego for goodness sake you know yeah. you know it's like my seven-year-old is a uh, boy he's, he loves lego but he also like loves climbing trees i'm not saying oh he should be like a that guy counting trees in the rainforest you know yeah that yeah, I mean uh, he doesn't have to yeah because he's, you know, sweet he's just climbing trees yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to attach this kind of like um uh, career on absolutely everything I do so that's that's definitely definitely um, something to look out for and also not every hobby needs to be monetized I think like during the pandemic you mentioned the pandemic during the pandemic you saw people being like oh yeah I, I like doing ceramics cool are you gonna have an Etsy shop about your ceramics like not every hobby needs to be monetized yeah. it's like this podcast to me is like my hobby and the way that I think like yeah getting cool people's stories like out in the world yeah and a friend just asking me yeah how much are you making on your podcast and I'm like nothing it's <laughs> It's, it's a cool like, thing too. I was lucky enough the Sendcaster offered me like the free hosting and I'm like, cool, like it. I'm going to use it for the engineer podcast as well, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So, but we're getting to the end of the show and I think this is the perfect segue to the future okay. of development. It's like we, we like when, when, when I think we should like go back to the beginning and talk about, you were talking about the system of grammar schools, like dividing mm-hmm. kids into like where... Mm-hmm. They are more, let's call them academically inclined. Yeah. And you mentioned that hope that system is dying out. Like, what do you think is going to replace it? Where are we going? Is it, are you hopeful? Are you worried? How do you feel? Tell us there. Well, okay. yeah, the, that, we've talked, we've talked a lot about old school thinking in this conversation, which has been great because like the contrast between like old school thinking and where the world's heading is like stark. Like we're like the education system here. Um, talking about grammar schools and talking about grammar schools dying and that kind of thing it's like that's obvious to me because like education just isn't isn't like a room with 30 desks anymore um and it shouldn't be thought of that way um it just happens to be that that's where like lots of kids are kind of hoarded through because it's just the most efficient way of, i suppose of getting getting education but I, I i don't like that kind of one size fits all education kind of system that that they have like I could I could sit all day and talk about the um, the the kind of um, disadvantages or like the, the bad things about the grammar stream. Like I've got loads of examples, but learning there's you know when kids are coming through that kind of educational system, there's no there's no kind of indication that learning is lifelong. It's just like get school over with kind of kind mm-hmm. of it's just terrible, and kids aren't get, being kind of like. Um, taught that you know learning never stops you know um yeah it's like school is this thing that you get over with so you can go into your your real life yeah exactly and that's that's kind of the way it was for me and it is a kind of way the way it is for lots of kids and um like it's funny because lots of uh lots of my friends who didn't go to grammar school ended up doing much better things with their lives um that's just that's just kind of how it worked out so um but as as for where education is going i have no idea it's really, it's really an open question, especially with like uh, remote learning and um, and and sort of um, lots of online platforms coming up, coming out with with lots of um, 
lots of opportunity to kind of upskill in different areas and kind of things like that. So it's really an open question. It's really difficult to, to predict. I'm, I'm one for not, I'm, I'm really bad at predicting the future of things like that. Uh, like, Did you I, predict made for winning the, winning the, <laughs> the Euro games? I couldn't predict that. I was bureau all the way. I couldn't, I couldn't see past blue team. <laughs> yeah. I'm good at Texas Hold'em. I'm terrible at gambling. Like yeah. we cannot gamble. It's, so many unexpected things happened. Nobody saw the pandemic coming. Well, maybe some people did. Most people didn't. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's the I, I agree with you. The world moves in a very fast pace and mm -hmm. we don't know what's going to come next. But yeah. what I would like to see, and I would love to hear if you agree with this, is the idea of learning changing from being only a school thing and being a lifelong thing yeah. and democratizing those opportunities. And I would love to see like more programs like the ILF, like the ILBF. ILBF. I was missing a B. Uh, ILBF yeah. like for other industries. Like uh, you heard the episode with Jesus Martinez, uh, Jesus Hernandez, uh, not Martinez Hernandez, yeah. and that he was saying exactly that. It's like I got the chance to be a plumber and like grow as a plumber and getting a good job, and it's available for everybody. Like I want to see more of those things. That would be awesome, actually. It's, you've hit a good point, actually. Um, most most kids like in teenage years and even younger haven't a clue what they're what they want to do and they shouldn't really have to think about it at that age really right mm -hmm. but they're forced to you went you went and got your education later in life right yeah I've had, I've had this kind of journey where i kind of didn't know what i wanted to do until i was kind of 30 and and, and kind of fell into the industry that i fell into there's lots of people that got in fact i think most people are probably like that right and the the, the teenagers who have their act together are few and far between like really They're yeah, kind of and they're TikTokers probably. Yeah, and they're the exception. They're <laughs> really the exception. So, like, we should, we should, our education should be set up to allow for people to make the decisions about their life in their mid twenties, and actually have the education system for that. Um, and like these kind of programs, like the ILBF and others, are really good for that because it kind of lifts people who, who have made the conscious adult decision to um to get into a field therefore they mm -hmm. have a conscious decision whereas like a teenager doesn't make that conscious conscious decision they're kind of forced into it by parents or whatever it's like so, you don't know what you want when you're like what 18 year old knows what they want it's like yeah, I know. give them a chance to, like they're still kids it's like oh you're 18 you have to now say what you want to do forever they yeah. can change your mind exactly exactly and if it was more adult education programs in terms of like allowing people to get into industries that maybe seem to be beyond Um, like the TV industry, like like technology, like design and and advertising or or other creative fields, um, or even even non so called non creative fields, any any field really. If we medicine, had a, it's like yeah. if you think you're gonna be a doctor, here is a like a one month internship at a hospital, just like checking in patients. Do you really want to do this forever before you do five years of school and then you realize, oh, I really don't like blood. <laughs> exactly. Really exactly. Don't. Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, I do know people who ended up being doctors because, like I said, I went to this academic school. And um, But the, the people who ended up in medicine were those kids who seemed to have their act together in their mid-teens. Like, they were just, I don't know who those people were. On my my, I have a doctor sister. Like, my older sister is a doctor, and she, like, knew when she was, like, five. Like, she was opening, like, dolls and being like, what's inside the doll's head? Sounds creepy, <laughs> but it's just how it works. Well, yeah. great. Before we close... Do you have anything you would like to recommend the audience? Um, I don't the really. Just, 
just check out uh, check out the customer bureau, our company that we work for, and um, have a look around there and see what we do. It's a, it's a brilliant company. We're we're a multidisciplinary, multinational, multicultural company. It's a great great place to work. Um, so that's all I really have to promote. I don't have a band to promote. I don't have a book to promote or anything Aww. like that. <laughs> so I'm gonna put story blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody should get story blocks. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add story blocks to our recommendations because they're a wonderful product, and I think it should be more recommended. Absolutely, they're good yeah. fun. Even if yeah. even if you don't have a kid in your life who wants to be an, an author or you don't want to be an author, it's still really good fun. <laughs> Honestly, I think it would have been an amazing game at viewer days. They just get a story uh, blocks, write a story, and act it out. <laughs> hilarious. <gasps> next year's games. Next year. Next year. Yeah. Well, the, to close, here's the big question, Ray. In your opinion, yeah. do you need school to be head of engineering? I think I've comprehensively proved that you do not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's for everybody who's listening to the show journeys it's it's all a journey enjoy your journey i am so happy to have had ray with me today i thank you so much this is such fun it's it was a wild coming and i think it's a hundred percent worth it um everybody listening please um i'm gonna tag ray like ray's linkedin um Mm -hmm. can i invite people to reach out to you if they want Any, any questions anything like that i'm always happy to chat always Nice. So you'll find links to his socials. He doesn't have a book to promote or a band, so it will be his LinkedIn, but also his wonderful recommendations. Uh, Yeah, check out the customer bureau, check out the website for the show, check out other episodes. If you could recommend somebody one episode as a fan, which one would you recommend? Um, The sustainable design one. Nice. Emma Fanning. Yeah. She's great. She's she's so cool. I'll, I'll also put that in the show notes. And if you want to... Like if, if you want to be like Ray and you have a great story that you want to share with people, just reach out to me and I'm happy to have you on the show. Of course, there's a, be- a long, long vetting process. I will ask you very weird questions. It will be a three-hour interview with a lining round and all the things. No, just kidding. That doesn't happen. That's another That's another discovery day. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Ray, for being here with me. This was really, really fun. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Thank well, you so much. Bye, audience. See you next time. Keep learning and stay curious. Bye.